It's time for the Rich Life Retirement Show, brought to you by retirement professional and Wall Street Journal bestselling author, Bo Henderson. This is the one place committed to helping you navigate all aspects of a successful, meaningful, and fulfilling retirement. Let's get started. Here's Bo Henderson and Bill Maine. Ready to get it done today, Bill Maine with Bo Henderson. You ready, Bo? I'm ready, Bill. Let's do this. Good, because you're the one who has the answers. I merely have the questions looking for the answers. And on today's show, how nimble are you when it comes to your retirement investments? One of the major presidential nominees wants to make a big change to our 401k plan. And here's one. How much guesswork is involved in planning a successful retirement? We're going to get to that coming up in just a bit. I told you I had questions. But first, you have been out and about on the road and you're doing it again. The big retirement tour 2020 continues. The Rich Life uh uh, North Georgia Retirement Tour. We're loading up the <laughs> semi, got the roadies, got the whole crew. We're going to be going all the way up to Lumpkin County Community Center next. Okay, very good. Get, get the band together. Let's do this. That's right. So next time we'll be there talking about retirement, Social Security optimization, taxes and retirement, a lot of the things we talk about here. Absolutely free class, but it's it, the purpose is to do what we talk about. Let's let's t- be proactive and let's go raise our retirement IQ okay. as opposed to blindly trusting other people to do it for sure, us. Sure, sure. Let, let's lead the plan instead of being part of somebody else's plan. Yeah. So we got that coming up. Again, it's at Lumpkin County Parks and Recreation Center. That's Saturday, October 17th at 10 a.m. Or we'll be there that that following Tuesday and Thursday, October 20th and 22nd at 6.30 p.m. in the evening. Okay, so if folks want to be involved in this, it's really easy to do. They just need to check the website. Go to richlifeadvisors.com. You'll see events. And if that one's convenient, it will be, especially for our very local people here. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, just register and we'll, we'll have a spot for you. Right, very good. It's, it works that well. And, of course, you'll have questions. Bo will have answers. Good example is what we do here on the show. So it's time for the questions. Are you ready, Mr. Quizmaster? Well, you said I have answers. That, I have a disclaimer. I will. I have opinions and I have thoughts, and we may have answers. I okay, always want to give myself right. a little wiggle room. Right. <laughs> I don't blame okay, you. I got you. Right. I don't blame you. Now, one of the big stories in the news has been the claim that President Trump paid little or no taxes over the past decade. Now, I don't know if that's accurate or not. The Trump Organization says it's not, but that's not what we want to talk about. What we want to talk about is uh, is 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 you know not paying taxes. Let's face it, wealthy folks stay that way by hanging on to the money, and there are very legal ways to avoid paying taxes, or at least reducing the amount of taxes that you owe. Now, USA Today headline summed it up like this. Donald Trump's tax returns have many wondering what they're doing wrong. That's right. a different perspective on that. Right. So if we're seeing a billionaire paying mm-hmm. $750 in taxes, then we're doing TurboTax and owing several thousand. It might yes. leave you scratching your head. <laughs> now, I don't want to get into, you know, there was a lot of... of divisiveness sure yes. good, uh-huh. you know you got people saying hey he's brilliant that's brilliant paying as little taxes yeah. as possible mm-hmm. then you got other people saying that's not fair we're not in here to get to how legit those numbers are but i can tell you what we want to do is look at what can we do to legally ethically and strategically reduce our tax liability sure. now you look nobody at, ever steps up and says no i want to pay more that's right you know what's funny those the same people fussing if they had the lower tax bill Mm, would they be, be fussing? fussing? No, okay. they wouldn't be saying a word. So yeah, so so a couple things with that. That just on the practical side, business owners, real estate owners, there's a lot more room for offsetting losses. For there's some unclosed loopholes and things. So there's a lot more to consider than compare it. It's not really apples to apples. This sure. outrage that my W two tax returns the same as because in a lot of cases there's a lot of losses that offset. Yeah, because I I I have a salary. Right. I have a set income, basically, that I make every year. And, um, you know, that's one way to, to, to do it. But when you've got somebody who's running a business and maybe they're not taking a salary, per se, 
maybe they're taking a dividend out or they're doing something right. like that. Uh, it's a totally different game, and it's a totally different tax structure at that point. And like you say, you buy equipment, you depreciate equipment. There, there are pluses and minuses that can help you avoid some of that tax. And sometimes you get a break because you invest in more jobs. Right. Well, and to keep it with the story, so there's one conversation if you are a business owner or if you're participating in real estate and some of the benefits yeah. of participating mm-hmm. in real estate, that's one part of, of the strategic planning that factors in. How can we utilize the, the rules as they are to navigate that the best way possible. But what if I'm the W-2 person that says, I, I, I don't want to, or I'm not running a business. And that would be me. Uh, I don't have uh, millions and billions of dollars of real estate to <laughs> that offset. certainly wouldn't be me. Right. So, so what do <laughs> I do? So then we the, the conversation still comes down to what can I do to legally and ethically still pay as little tax as possible? And we get back to the strategy. Uh, what we can do when we're planning for retirement is we look at things like we can we can continue to max out our plans at work. So even though it's pre-tax, say 401ks, IRAs, it, what it does is it reduces the top line number so it can reduce your taxable income. Sure, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that could help. Now, we might have to build that into the conversation phase two is our Roth conversion strategy because we want to start converting that down the road. But in the year, it could help do that. Uh, we want to build those Roths. We want a Roth plan in most scenarios where we're either making contributions to a Roth and or a combination of that and a conversion plan. How do we get that money into that tax-free Roth IRA that doesn't hit my Social Security provisional income, that doesn't, that's not forced upon me at 72 for required minimum distributions? So those are things we can do, but the problem is, Bill, is most people were so busy with families, with careers, whatever it is, that it sneaks up on us. Whereas if we'll do a little bit year by year, we can we can make a lot of progress. Yeah, and, and I think the the thing that to keep in uh, context here is when you're talking about yeah there are ways to mitigate the taxes on this end, but when you start talking about Roth and Roth conversion, mm-hmm. you're trying to avoid taxes on the other end when it's going to be very important because then you're not working, you're drawing out of that that savings, and you want to be able to pay as little tax down the road as you can because we know tax rates will go up when you're using it uh, in the future at a higher potential higher tax rate. I say potential; it's almost certain. Yeah. No. Or, I, hope, I hope you're wrong, but or, or, yeah. well, or you keep, or, you know, or you're doing really well, or something happens to you. It also, for most people, when I talk about what what happens to your assets when something happens to you, they don't say, you know what, I don't really care. They're saying, I want as much of it as possible to go to my spouse, to go to my kids, to go to my charity. So it's another thing. Money in a Roth IRA that we've we've done some work on. That's going to be a hundred percent transfer to that entity or person. Whereas we talked about with the with the. IRAs and the 401k type of investments that are pre-tax, Uncle Sam's going to split that with them. Yeah, I'd like to have some money to leave to my Uncle Bob, but not to my Uncle yeah, Sam. Yeah, Uncle Sam, not your <laughs> not, favorite. Not so much. He kind of gave you the, the noogies on the head <laughs> Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, yeah never really liked that yeah. at all. Never liked that at all. <laughs> well, it's the Rich Life Retirement Show. Bill Main hanging out with Bo Henderson, our Rich Life Advisor. Real quick, Bo, if folks want to find out more about what we talk about through these shows, uh, let's make sure they know how to do that. If you're in that 10-year window um, leading up to transitioning from your working life to retirement life, it's time to start working on retirement strategy. It's a very different ballgame than accumulating assets, and that's exactly what we do at Rich Life Advisors. Check out kind of the methodology and how we do things, how we work with clients at richlifeadvisors.com, or you can always give me a call with questions at 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. All right, so here's the question. I know in, in the past you've always said, and we've had fun with this, you said, look, I know what the markets are going to do. They're right. going to go up. They're going to go down. That's right. That's what we know. But I'm curious. How do I make sure I can win when those markets are up and that I don't lose when the markets go down? That's that's the real trick. Yeah, is there a place to where we can protect our money? And I think this is a, this is a conversation where you see a lot of this coming up in planning 
and you'll hear a lot about it. This is we're going to talk about annuities here. Okay, uh, this isn't an annuity show. An annuity is a tool. Okay, and you remember we talk about there's different jobs we have in our retirement. We have liquidity needs, money we need to be able to access and that we can depend on being there. We have an income plan. We need to figure out okay, what in those first several years of retirement do I need to be able to count on as a paycheck? not something going up and down in big swings. Sure. Yeah. And then we have long-term growth, and that's more what we think of when we talk about the market. So when, when, when you usually hear something presented as no loss on the downside and potential growth on the, on the upside, yeah. it sounds too good to be true. And there is a trade-off, right? Uh, the market over long periods of time is going to net you 7 to 9%. Okay? This annuity structured right, it might be in the 4 to 5% range. So it's a little less average return, but what it does is it protects you from, and maybe even it's fair to say 35 to 5%, 5% on that. Uh, but what it does is it gives you a bucket that if I need, if I know I need $2,000 to supplement my Social Security and my part-time work, mm-hmm. you can draw that from a tool like that and know that I'm never going to be drawing it in a down market and taking my money while my accounts right. drop 20%. Okay. So I just wanted to- It gives to, you some just, safety. It gives you that little more security. Right. And and really, it's a tool. And and when people ask me about annuities, good or bad, I'm annuity neutral. And what it is, is what's the job? And what is there? if that's an option, is there a, another viable option that's better, as good or better? And then if not, it might be the tool to- And, and there's a lot of range of there's zero fee there that you can do with annuity. There's some with uh, fees over 4.5%. So it's Ooh. really a deeper conversation and raising that retirement IQ to make sure you're asking the questions- and or somebody working with you is thoroughly explaining to where you can answer. I understand this. I understand why it fits my situation. I understand specifically why this specific amount of money is filling this bucket. And, and the reason I want to spend a minute talking about that, Bill, is because a lot of times it's just presented and sold in that not in that too good to be true scenario. Hey, you don't lose anything, you gain. But there's some trade offs. There's some liquidity trade offs. There's, there's right. a certain amount you can get out of you, and, and there's some upside trade offs. But it could be the piece that's needed for the income gap too. Yeah, and that's that's the thing that that I think needs to be brought forward in this discussion. There's not one of those tools in that toolbox that's the one be all does all. Right. It's using them. It's kind of like having the uh, the Avengers. Right. Everybody has their <laughs> skill, but you put them together, it's pretty strong. Right. right. You're in this situation. The Hulk might be handy. Exactly. In this situation, you might need what Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, so there you go. it depends on your situation as to what you use there. Okay. So uh, interesting piece in Market Watch. A review of the 400 wealthiest Americans found that most of them got rich either by starting a company or by inheriting money. Now, they did not acquire their wealth by investing. In fact, over the last year, their portfolios underperformed the S&P 500. Now, I'm not sure of the significance of that. That's beyond me. But uh, it does make you wonder whether Wall Street is necessarily the best way to build a comfortable retirement. So in what you do and what you see and what we just talked about, that this discussion of annuities, uh, what do you think? Yeah, you know, I think there's a good point here that's saying that most wealth was created with business owners and real estate. Now, the market has made people wealthy or, ha- or accumulate assets to have a be able to have a comfortable retirement, but typically it's over long periods of time, consistent. Saving. It's not an overnight sensation, right? And I think the point here of of what they're talking about in this Market Watch article is that really the market is. Uh, shouldn't be presented and again I, I say the word sexy a lot it's sexy to say hey <laughs> you pick the right stocks you're gonna you're gonna be a billionaire and, and really what the market does is it helps us um have overtime averages that stay ahead of inflation doesn't sound near as sexy no not, but, not as much but it but it's a job right it's a job but it's, it's important if we don't stay ahead of inflation over time and um then it'll catch up with us and we'll run out of money too soon so i think that's the point of that is that we look at those accounts with the, again it's the right job the job is to to grow enough in, in the right time periods or time blocks 
that inflation is not going to catch up with me and deplete my savings before I'm depleted. Yeah. Right. I, I, I like the way you put that. Right. Yeah. That, right. That, that, I just that came up with it right there. I, I, saw, I saw what you did there. I did. I did. Now, here you go. Now, when you're trying to figure out how much money you're going to need for retirement, that's always a big question. But I understand that the first question we might want to ask is how many years do you think you're going to need right. that money? Uh, unfortunately, we can only guess at that number. And I'm probably going to guess on the high side to be safe because I do want to live a long time. Who doesn't? Right. But uh, Morningstar's David Blanchett says that most of us are not very good guessers. And when you're designing a financial plan, how do you handle the question of how long am I going to need this? You know, it's funny as we ask and most people, you just said it, Bill, I want to live a long time. But we also underestimate we're underestimating how long we're living when we're doing practical things like how long does our money need to last? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so one of the things I can say is is when we're planning the biggest risk we have in retirement, it multiplies all other risk, your interest rate risk, your market risk, your sequence of returns risk. Uh, all those risks are multiplied by longevity. So the longer we live, the more we're going to be exposed to all the other risks that can hurt us. So when we're planning, what we want to do is we want to err in either income that you can outlive, you know, sources like Social Security, pensions, um, that an annuity that we talked about earlier could be an example if it's the right kind of annuity. Um, ideally, something that, you know, if you live to 110, those pieces are locked in. Now, maybe that's not the scenario we're in, but maybe we estimate on the high side of a life expectancy. And remember, I say this a lot because I want this to sink in, is that if life expectancy right now is somewhere between 82 and 84 years old, all that means is half of the people are going to die before that and half after. So if right. we plan to that life expectancy. Which half do you want to be? Yeah, we got a 50-50 shot of being that that example or scenario or statistic that's runs out of money with 10 years of life left. Yeah. So I, I think it's what pieces can we can we lock in to to create lifetime income, and then let's err on the conservative side. All right, very good. And if you want to find out more about what we're talking about here, we're here every Sunday, twelve thirty-five on WDUN. It's Rich Life Retirement. Bill Main hanging out with Bo Henderson. If folks want to find out more about what you do and how you do it. It's really easy to get in touch. Yeah, richlifeadvisors.com. There's a tab there that says Why Rich Life, and that really gets into, again, the methodology, why we do what we do, how we do it, the six components that we work on with clients to build a successful retirement strategy. All right, very good. Now, I'm going to throw something at you, and I don't want to make you uncomfortable with this. Uh-oh. Okay, so uh, expense ratios, mm-hmm. sales loads, trade commissions, front-end loads, those are all terms for fees. Right. Yeah, and you might be paying those on your investments without even realizing it. And I think sometimes people are reticent when they talk with a counselor about this to, to make it a commitment because right. they go, well, how much of this is actually going to go to you? How much? I mean, and I understand you have to make a living and sure. we're, we're buying your expertise. So what do you what do we need to know about fees when we're when we're planning? What do we look at? There's two things. Uh, one, if you're dealing in a scenario, one of the first questions you should ask is, are you a fiduciary? Do you hold yourself out to the public as a fiduciary? And if so, everything should be disclosed. Meaning the first step with fees is knowing what they are. Right. Because there's a lot of scenarios out there where, where people are getting statements, especially in 401ks, um, where maybe the balance is going up, but you don't really know, is that from my contributions? Um, where's the fees netted out if it's not spelled out? In a lot sure. of cases, they're still kind of hidden in there. So the first step is just to be clear on what are the fees. Uh, the second is if you can get to that position to what, what you're actually paying is what is my net return? I think the thing is if our goal is to have that 7 to 8% net return in the market, and I'm paying a half a percent in fees, am I netting that goal that I need to hit? Because that's what really matters, right? Yeah. You got to take one from the other. If you're paying no fee and you're hitting 4%, but your goal is eight, that's still a problem too on the other side. (laughs) So I think if you're paying attention to the net average return and you're paying attention and knowing or are aware of fees, because it can can run the gamut, it can be very little 
Uh, there's some scenarios, some some tools we use with no fee. And then I've seen some tools out there, again, I've said they're north of 4%. Wow. So imagine if the market's down 20, you're paying a 4% fee and you're needing to take out $2,000 a month. You'll run through that account so fast. Pretty quick. Head spin. Right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that's it is awareness, visibility, and then paying attention to the goal and the net return. All right, very good. And uh, I kind of brought that up because we were talking about annuities a minute ago. And right. I know sometimes, as you mentioned, there are fees coming in and percentages. So a little bit of clarity there on fo- for folks here. But a new survey from Voya uh, uh, Financial says that 59% of baby boomers, and I'm in that category, by the way, expect to continue working after retirement. And I'm in that category as well, <laughs> which brings up the question that we wrestle with from time to time. What do we really mean when we say retire. Now, I know what it meant for my father, right? but what does it mean for me and generation? What do you deal with when people come in and they're ready to retire? It looks different, doesn't it? You know, that Voya study has said 59% expect to keep working into right. retirement. Mm-hmm. And of that, uh, I believe, what was it? It was in the 40s. Um, 40, no, 56% of that 59% said one of the reasons they want to keep working it's not just financial, it's the mental well-being of work. Yeah, well, I want something to do. I and want to stay o- occupied. And, and my career has almost been been split in two decades. I'm right at 20 years in. And a lot shifted this last 10 years, and it's been more of a shift. I'm seeing more and more that retirement isn't the ending of a career, and now I'm retired. It is, okay, I realize this could be a long time. This could be 20, 30 years. Um, and, and I see things like stepping down to two or three days a week, maybe. Maybe for a couple of years. Yeah. Or starting that business that I always wanted to. Maybe using that tail end of work to set yourself up in the position to start that thing that you actually would like to do. Yeah, right? something you're really passionate about. Uh, so so working, transitioning, part-time work, even if it's a position where somebody's working in a charitable context, that's more the norm anymore than what we saw a decade back to where it was people were. They would work. They would stop. But we're just now catching up with there's a lot of issues both financially when we're living so much longer and non-financially that we have to think about and address and have conversations about. So, yeah, and it's continuing. And I'm excited about the prospect of not just stopping work. I'm excited about doing something different or doing right. what I do a little bit differently. Right. Giving me chances to be more flexible with my time to do other things. I, I'll I'm, get you on the tour buses, and you can take the show on the road, too. I'm I'm willing to do it, yeah. <laughs> Put me behind the wheel. I'll get my license. No problem. All right, so let's move to something here going on in politics. And we've kind of hit on this before, but I think we need to open this can again because people are still focusing on this. Democratic presidential nominee Joe Biden wanting to change the way the tax code treats our 401k contributions. Now, in investi- in investment strategy, Matthew Sumner, if I can get his name out, tells CNBC that Biden wants to convert the tax du- deductibility of contributions to a 26% refundable tax credit, okay. which on the surface sounds pretty good, but I'm not sure. Okay, translate, what does that mean? What is he trying to do here? What are they trying to accomplish with this? Well, what's going on is this is a, a tax credit that would be beneficial to lower income earners, but it's going to penalize somewhat higher income earners. So it's a little bit of a shift. Okay, how's that? Uh, so what what this proposal, and this is this is Biden's proposal, it would eliminate the deductible traditional contributions where, you know, if I put in $8,000 into a 401k, it would come off the top of my income. Okay, there. right, yeah. And instead provide a 26% refundable tax credit for each dollar contributed. So what this would do, this tax credit would be deposited into the taxpayer's retirement account as a match. So if I put in $1,000, I'd get a $260 addition okay. added. So, right. it, so it's kind of like a match. Yeah, okay. So so the pros and cons of that, and we've talked about that, uh, I hate seeing something that penalizes people for doing well um, on the higher end, but also at the same time, I like something that incentivizes people not doing well to save more. Sure, and, sure. And to put in more. So is it the answer? 
maybe there's some work to be done on that, but I just like staying ahead of what's being proposed. And if it did happen, if I'm that higher earner, maybe I have a little bit different strategy. Maybe I get my match money at work and then I go focus on that Roth IRA like we talked about, where if I'm a little bit lower income earner and it's beneficial, I go ahead and plow a little extra and maximize that tax credit. Hmm. Okay. Goes back to strategy, Bill. Always yeah. goes back yeah, to strategy. It does. And, and I'm, I'm with you. As you explain that to me, I, I can see the benefits, but I can also see the downside. Um, right. There's got to be a, a better break even in there somewhere. Yeah. All right. All right. So I, I just. And, and, and here's the thing with that is that it's not all packaged and neatly done. It might be that scenario to where, hey, up to the match, if I'm a high earner, I get that. I put in the Roth. And it might be a little, if I, we, we ran this analysis with five different couples or households, it might be slightly different variations of how to accomplish it. So, it might, it's kind of a little more complicated than just, hey, here's this neat package where we can deduct 10% from our 401k and it all be equal and fair. Right. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, even so, are going to have a hard time understanding it because I know I do. Right. You explained it to me and I'm still trying we're to get gonna my do head it. We're going to keep doing it until you're, until right, you're okay. then we'll let you teach it one day. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we got a ways to go, brother. We got a ways to go. All right. Now, here's the thing. And we talked about this coming in here. We're always looking for clues to tell us where the markets and the economy might be headed. We're looking for that roadmap. Where are we going? Fund manager Dan Niles tells CNBC that what's happening right now with the Federal Reserve may suggest that tough times are coming. Now, I know the Fed with the interest rates being low and everything, that's not a good thing? Yeah, it could. Uh, it's it's an indicator that it's going to impact the market. You know, the market, again, we just had recently come out um, disappointing employment numbers, yet the market stays up. So there's there's a lot of things that aren't quite adding up. Yeah. So the nimbleness, I think, when he's referring to being nimble, you're not going to believe this, Bill, but it goes back to being open to be flexible and addressing your strategy, right? So it's it's if the if the I'm positioned the way I've been positioned the last ten years to accumulate assets, maybe I'm coming into a phase of my life or a piece of my timeline to where I really seriously need to look at okay, if things do go bad, how how am I am I positioned to handle that the best way possible? But what if things go good? Because what's what's funny is in a lot of cases, it's not either be all in the market or be all in cash. There's some kind of, of strategy and mathematical deal of spreading out in different buckets, so to speak, so that we're, we're going to be okay regardless of if it goes up and down because we know that's exactly what the market's going to do. Okay. you got about 60 seconds for this, so strap in. Okay. Along with what you just said, tell me uh, in, a, in a simple way, if you can, what the effect is if the Fed raises interest rates, me, Joe, the investor, mm-hmm. versus if they stay low like they are, me, Joe, the investor. Yeah, so so there's a couple things. The interest rates low are great for borrowing money, yeah, right? For, yeah. for if you for want to buy a house, buy houses. Yeah, sure. um, my money's cheap right now, but as they they as interest rates raise, one of the things we're going to see in a lot of retirement portfolios, especially, is traditionally, especially in accumulation planning, bonds have been that safe, secure portion of of the portfolio. Mm-hmm. With our interest rates so low, as we see those start to rise, bonds are actually inversely, or they go the opposite way of interest rates. So people that thinking, hey, this bond's like my safe money, sure. this is my security, bonds can actually lose money. And we're in, we're in an environment where as interest rates go up, the bonds could actually be in a situation and be a surprise because people are thinking the bonds are like my enhanced cash, sure. so to speak. So, so if you're in bonds right now and the rate's low, you're in great shape. They start going up, then you've the inverse is true. Well, yeah, bonds are tricky right now because with the, with interest rates so low, they're not paying hardly any interest. Right, yeah, nothing's there. Yeah. So as they go up, they're actually, they're actually positioned to 
be yep. performing even worse. So bonds aren't a great – there's just not a great safe spot right now. Yeah. And here again, knowing the tools in the box right. and knowing which one to pick up at which point in your life and in your investing, and that's what you do at Rich Life Advisors. Right, and we have to take into context the market, the economy, and it's not just a computer-generated model that's going to fix this for us because there's a lot of things going on that are specific to today. No such thing as one-size-fits-all retirement. So exactly. let's get it custom fit. Taylor, how do we get measured? You're right. That's the way to say it, Bill, for a customized retirement design that's efficient, effective, and being the best steward for you and your family of the assets we've been blessed with and have yeah. accumulated over time. That's what we help people do at Rich Life Advisors. And, and to find out that process, go to richlifeadvisors.com. Questions, things you'd like to hear me and Bill banter about <laughs> here on the show, uh, call me at 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Had a good time as always, Bo. Thanks so much for coming by. We might just have too much fun. Mm, yeah, maybe. <laughs> if you have specific retirement questions or would like to know more about Rich Life Advisors, go to richlifeadvisors.com or call 770-249-7424. That's 770-249-RICH. Rich Life Advisors, LLC, provides investment advisory services through Formula Folios. Bo Henderson is a licensed insurance agent in Georgia.